Hey there, Served listeners. I want to tell you about the sponsor for today's episode, the Denver Dining Out Passbook. Now, we're on our third one this year, and this year's version has more than 100 deals, both food and drink, in the greater Denver area. If you go to diningout.com forward slash Denver Boulder, there's a pre-sale going on, and you can get an amazing discount. So the face value of the Passbook is $99, but they're giving you a discount now for $39 if you go online to diningout.com forward slash Denver Boulder. And at checkout, use the code PBPRESALE2017. That's PBPRESALE2017 for $39. That includes free shipping, and that will get you more than 100 drink and food deals at amazing restaurants all across greater Denver. So that's the Denver Dining Out Passbook. Check it out online right now. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to episode 18 of Serve the Podcast. Crazy that we're on 18 episodes, but here we are. Jeff Steen here with Morgan Carter and Rebecca Trion, editors, Dining Out Magazine. Welcome, guys. And our guest for today is going to help us BS about beer, all things craft beer in Colorado, uh, Dev Adams, who's an advanced Cicerone, not a Cicerone, as I just learned. (laughs) And she does a lot of consulting, blogging, all kinds of stuff, but we're going to get into that. Before that, though, our usual food news. Morgs, what we got? Yes. So first on the docket, the Wayback is closing (gasps) temporarily. Chad Michael George. Oh, geez. <laughs> yeah, so they're going to be closing. They uh, are right around the corner from us, but they're going to be moving on to Tennyson Street uh, to kind of expand a little bit and have a little bit more foot traffic because they are kind of in a tricky area of town. It's not the most walkable place, I guess. Mm, um, yeah. So they're going to be expanding. So they're going to have a kind of a farewell closing party on August 6th, and they're going like to have some taco sort of, party. A taco party. A farewell taco party? Yeah, which, you know. Like and you do. they're still mm-hmm. going to be working on Zengo. The old Zango space. Oh, yeah. So yeah. That's exciting. That's a different concept, though. Mm-hmm. The wayward. The future wayward. wayward. Um, so, and it looks like they don't have a date set yet, but it's probably going to reopen sometime early 2018. So we'll have to wait a little bit. Okay. But, but then again, maybe it'll give them a chance to focus on the wayward. So, yeah. Well, that's possible. Yeah. I never had a chance to go to the way back. So. Oh, really? Well, I mean, you have until August 6th. It's right around the corner. Let's go. Right I'll now. still be around. Yeah. I think we should have, um, you know, a. a office lunch outing there instead of Diamond Cabaret, which I know would be your preference. Nah. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that would definitely be my preference. Table uh-huh. side Caesars. That's my uh, That's why you go. Oh yeah. That's why you go. <laughs> the lunch buffet. <laughs> okay. So the next up, uh, Kaya Kitchen is now open in Avanti. It's going to be Lawn Cement's most fourth concept in Denver. Uh, and it has everything from pho to banh mi, uh, which their little banh mi they have, they call it like the pho dunk, so you can get a little uh, bowl of pho with it and kind of dunk it in like there. French oh, that sounds yeah. good. Yeah. And um, that corn. That's clever. It was so good. It was so good. So it was Cambodian like- corn on the cob and it had sriracha cream with dehydrated sriracha puffs on it to kind of give it a little extra crunch, cilantro, and they a little ledge of, uh, lime wedge. And that sounds super messy to she eat. She brought it, it actually back wasn't. to the office. Oh, really? And she's like, well, I already took bites out of it, and I've had my mouth all over it, but <laughs> I don't know if you want it. And I'm like, are you serious? Yes, and yes, she I want me it. out of the way. <laughs> and I watched her eat it, and I just cried in the background. <laughs> I mean, it's really good. It was, Food you know, wars it was fantastic. in this office, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, news from Lon. Great stuff. And they have a, a few kind of, kind of carryovers from Cholon. They have the Kaya toast, but... Um, a little bit more casual. They have it with poached eggs instead of like the egg cloud that they do at Cholon. And mm. then f- some of the dumplings from Cho 77 are also on the menu. 
So, which are amazing. Yeah. Get it. Another reason to go to Avanti. And there are plenty of other reasons too, but that's a big one for mm -hmm. sure. Um, and then I want to let folks know it was in the intro to this podcast, but just a reminder, the Denver Dining Out Passbook is going to be out soon. Actually, we're doing pre-sales right now. So go to diningout.com forward slash Denver Boulder. You can get yours. There's some discounts going. Um, and if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, that's the perfect way to get those discounts. Mm -hmm. You can sign up on our website and then follow all our social channels at DO Denver Boulder, of course, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We'll give you all kinds of details about that. So... That's it. That's all the food news we have this week. Mm -hmm. There's other stuff, but uh, we'll keep you updated online. So let's dig into it. We're going to talk craft beer, and there are already some misconceptions that we have that Deb's going to correct us on, fix, <laughs> fix those misconceptions, which is going to be good. So do you want to talk a little bit about, first of all, like you're in consulting and blogging. What else are you doing right but now? What's like, a Ciceron? Like also true. Yes. Know. Good point. <laughs> let's start there. Um, well, an advanced Cicerone, a Cicerone program is actually a certification program. It's a professional certification. So um, a lot of people have heard of sommeliers for wine. Right. The Cicerone program is the beer equivalent. There are four levels. Um, oh. First level is an online exam. It's called Certified Beer Server. And um, there are about 85,000 certified beer servers in the world right now. Wow. Second level mm -hmm. is Certified Cicerone. It's an in-person four-hour long test. involves tasting and essays and short answer, multiple choice questions live demonstration, um, and there are just about 2,500 certified Cicerones in the world. Advanced Cicerones, a full-day test, kind of an expanded version of that certified test, mm -hmm. um, but you have two one-on-ones with experts in the field, which let me tell you is incredibly intimidating. <laughs> um, and there are 49 of us in the world, and then mm. the top level is Master Cicerone. There are 13 Master Cicerones. That's a two-day exam. It involves multiple panel discussions, one-on-ones, tastings. Wow. I mean, tastings to the point they give you a beer and say, what is it? Right. Mm. It's total blind tastings. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm wondering, too, as a woman, like, I feel like that would, it's such a, like, dude's sort of industry. I think, I think of a craft brewer as, like, big beard and, you know, like, <laughs> so I think it would be you're kind of, like, setting yourself apart for sure. Yeah, what's oh, the balance yeah. there? Um, there are right now four women advanced Cicerones and two women master Cicerones. Okay. Um, women are the fastest growing you know, market for craft beer. So um, we see more and more women. There are more women getting into the production side of brewing. Um, you know, we have Ashley down at Beerstadt Lager House, who right. is the lager mm -hmm. queen. We have Calissa right over here at Gold Spot, who's just phenomenal. Um, you know, we have a lot of brewery owners, Laura over at Factotum. Um, <laughs> I'm missing so many people. I'm so sorry. Oh, sure. But, you know, it's we have so many incredible women getting into this industry or who have been in this industry for an incredibly long time. Kim Jordan up at yeah. New Belgium, obviously, she's, you know, a pioneer in the industry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so talk to us a little bit about how you're using that advanced Cicerone uh um, so License. what I do is I'm a blogger. I'm the senior writer for Colorado Brewery List, which is a comprehensive list of all, not only just open breweries in Colorado, but also breweries that are going to open. So you can kind of track to see what's opening in your neighborhood. Um, we update it every single day, actually, sometimes to the hour, depending on what's going on. There's a map, there's everything, and uh, we write little features on all the breweries. So I do that. I also run my own blog, Miss Lupulin. Um, it's kind of how people know me around the industry. I'll walk in, they'll be like, are you... Are you Miss Lupulin? <laughs> like, maybe. I don't know. Um, so, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that kind of jazz. Um, I'm also a BJCP judge. BJCP is the Beer Judge Certification Program. 
And okay. um, so I judge beer. It's a great way to continue to develop my palate, make sure that I'm keeping fresh up with uh, current trends, current styles, and what people are brewing within styles. Um, and then I consult. Um, I am currently staff Cicerone at uh, New Terrain Brewing in Golden, at Broken Compass up in Breckenridge, and at Resolute Brewing in Centennial. Um, I'm hoping to come to an agreement with a new brewery here in town called Woods Boss. It's opening on 22nd in California, which everybody mm. should be excited about this place because it is awesome. Inside, it's amazing. The owner, uh, Jordan, he is incredible. He's a great brewer. He's brought on another brewer, Ryan Logan, who may have the best recipe development skills of any brewer I've ever met. And then uh, they have a business partner, Chad, who is really sharp on the business side. So I think this is a place to watch. And what's wow, the name good of that to one? Know. Woods Boss Brewing. Woods Boss Brewing. Okay. 22nd California. Um, and you just opened a brewery. You helped open a brewery in Mexico, right? You guys went yeah. down there and... <laughs> like you I do, mean, you know. <laughs> I'm like, you know, that might be a perk of the whole consulting thing. Yeah, it happens. Um, my, my boyfriend, Josh Norton, is the head brewer over at Golden City Brewery. He's been there for about three years. And uh, we travel a lot and visit other breweries and visit um, beer fests. And we had met someone through this process who hooked up us up with a guy in Mexico in Cozumel who was actually opening a brewery. And so we went down and we provided the initial recipes, initial setup of the system and did the first brews for them. So um, we're amazing. excited to see what they do. Uh, it's called Cerveceria Punta Sur, if anyone goes down there. Mm. Um, there's also an amazing little bottle shop on the island called La Internacional that the owner, Juan Jose Cer uh, Cervantes, come on, come on, <laughs> amazing. Right. Um, nicest guy name, you'd ever yeah. want to meet, amazing. Mexico has an incredible craft beer scene. There's over 300 breweries in Mexico now, wow. which sounds really small compared to America, but yeah. considering the fact that they just got the laws changed a few years ago um, to even allow craft brewing, it's pretty impressive. Mm. And great beers coming out of there. People love good beer. Yeah, mm -hmm. they do. For sure. It's international, common language. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So, so let's dig into the Colorado beer scene a little bit. Um, I, I dug up these, um, these stats on craft beer in Colorado, and he pointed out that they're a little dated. They're 2016, um, but we're going to run with it. So, and some of this I didn't know. Maybe you can update us if you have newer stats. So 8.4 breweries per capita, which is the third in the nation. Which, which is amazing. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely well, is amazing. number one and two? Uh, I didn't is look that up. I looked that up for... Number one is going to be um, Vermont. Is oh, Vermont has uh, not just a so, bunch of alcoholics. so so jam packed. That's what they are. <laughs> Number like we're way up north. It's cold for six months out of the year. <laughs> yeah, we're like, this is it. Yeah, <laughs> like hunker down. <laughs> I'm not sure who number two is. Number two usually swaps around between a few states. We're we're pretty standard. It's number three at per capita. Solidly there, yeah. And then 334 craft breweries. Yeah, you said that was low. It's it's more obviously now mm -hmm. in 2017. Do you yeah, know it's, what it is? it's uh, 347 craft breweries in the yeah. state now. Yeah, Rich Grant, who we had on the show before, was saying that there are only a couple days out of the year when you have to repeat your breweries if you're going daily to get your beer. So mm -hmm. uh, that's pretty amazing. That's second in the nation behind California. I suppose that's not a big surprise. I am curious about this growth, though, because in 2011, we had just over 100. So that, that seems like a lot that's just popping up. It's a, it's a very, very fast growth. I mean, we're looking at, so just including the big guys, we're looking at, at 349 breweries here in the state right now. And we have 190 on our list as in planning or due to open. Mm. Oh, so, oh my gosh. Yeah. Do you think there's like a, a bubble at all? 
I think that there's a bubble, but I think it's a little bit different than what people envision. Um, back in before prohibition, we had about 12% of the population nationally that we have now. And yet we had 4,200 breweries. We've just gone up to 4,900 breweries. And so we have a lot of uh, population that can support those breweries, but it's a matter of where you open them. When mm. you're talking back before prohibition, you're talking a lot of neighborhood breweries. You're not talking these giant, giant breweries. Now you had giant breweries who are opening little pubs in every neighborhood and mm -hmm. those each Canada's breweries. So, you know, when you're talking mm -hmm. like Anheuser-Busch buying out, you know, uh, 10 barrel or, or wicked weed or any that, that kind of thing was happening back then as well. But really we need to be looking to open breweries in underserved communities. Like I'd love to see a brewery open in Globeville. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd love to see breweries opening in the Northern suburbs where there aren't a whole bunch. There are a lot of little areas that have no breweries at all that could really use them. Conifer doesn't have a brewery. I Evergreen mean. has three. <laughs> there are some areas that really need their alcohol. And I was just going to say, like, what you're really saying is per capita, people need to drink more. Is that that's a well, national, no, well, I mean, just that there would be the appreciation of good craft beer right. if that was there. And I wonder why, why it's maybe it's just too isolated in some of those places and people aren't interested. I don't know. A lot of times it's laws, uh, oh, okay. especially unincorporated Jefferson County. Um, unincorporated Jeffco is actually getting its first pure brewery versus a brew pub. A brew pub serves food as well. And that was after a really long battle. Um, and that's Coal Mine Avenue Brewing. So um, they mm -hmm. had a whole bunch of hearings to even allow them to open because Jeffco wasn't so sure about allowing a place that didn't serve food. Because a lot of people equate a production brewery with a tap room to a bar. And they're very, very different environments. They um, attract different clientele. It's much more family friendly. It's mm -hmm. much more right. geared towards community and sitting around and hanging out with friends. It's more of what I call the English pub structure, where you're going out to drink, to hang out with your friends, share news, and just have a, have a good time instead of necessarily going out to get drunk. Not saying that people don't go to breweries to get drunk, but it's just less of that kind of atmosphere. Right, right, right. right. So I'm so I'm wondering, um, and then this was part of their definition for craft brewing because that's something that we've talked about and debated on the show too. And I'm sure sure that there are multiple definitions of this, but some of the hallmarks here that the uh, Brewers Association called out: um, small brewers, and they didn't have a specific number. I don't know how many barrels that um, that entails. Six but million barrels a year or less. Okay, there you go. There is a number. Um, focused on innovation, of course, that makes sense. Um, community involvement, that's true for many of them, although I never thought of that as a necessary component of a craft brewer. And then uh, just sort of general business financial independence, which is interesting because InBev is taking over so many of what once were small craft brewers. So are they still craft brewers if they keep, keep the name and keep operating as they were, only they're owned by InBev now? That's a great question, and actually that's why the Brewers Association have introduced the independent label. So there's a new label that um, only small independent breweries can get on their bottles, their cans, at their business, and it denotes that they are independently owned. They aren't owned by AB InBev, they're not owned by Coors, they're not one of these big guys. They are truly an independent craft brewery. Um, it's a really cool design. It has an upside down bottle on it, uh, kind of to, to show how the craft brewing industry has turned beer up on its head. Hmm. And I just see breweries all over Colorado are just jumping on board with this so quickly because they love the fact that now this really does say, Hey, we're not, we're not some, our money's not being filtered to some huge conglomerate. You're actually, this money staying into, in your own community. Right. Um, 68% of all the money spent at a craft brewery stays within that community. It's 12% for the big guys. So it's a yeah. really huge difference. So whereas AB InBev and Coors may be able to employ more people, they're not keeping that money in the community. 
Coors is more so than ABI, but it's still not a great percentage, not compared to, to your neighborhood brewery. In fact, some breweries are even at like 85 to 89% staying right there in their community. Hmm. So you said that's on the labels, that logo? They can, um, it just came out right. like three weeks ago. So oh, okay. you'll start seeing it on cans, on labels, but you'll, you will be seeing it now on a lot of brewery doors. You'll walk in, you'll see, it will say independent craft on their door That's and because cool. um, the Brewers Association, as soon as that was released, people were ordering them and saying, yes, we want to, we want to show not only are we members of the Brewers Association, not only do we support your mission, but we want to say, hey, we are independent craft. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that's going to pressure those um, big conglomerates to put more money into the communities. Oh, they, <laughs> it's awesome. There is a video by um, ABI, all of their brands that they bought, they call them the high end. So the high end did a video in response to this label. And all I could think was, what, you mad, bro? <laughs> <laughs> like, it was the most oh, vindictive, childish thing I've seen. It was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, oh, you poor little delicate flowers who just got bought out for millions of dollars. I'm yeah, sure this hurts. Yeah. Right, exactly. This hurts. <laughs> yeah. It's always sad when I see that. I actually heard rumors... Um, that Avery was going to get bought out, but I think there's always rumors. There's I, always, I, I'm sure there are always year, rumors. New but Belgium is supposedly on the block every year. Odell is, I don't know about Avery, nothing I've heard in the wind on it. Um, mm. Adam's pretty vocal, um, yeah, about he's very being active, independent. Yeah. So yeah. I, I would doubt it, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. At the end of the day, these are businesses and I can't fault people for moving their business forward but they also have to acknowledge that when they choose to sell to one of these big brands, that there are consequences to sure. that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Mm -hmm. Tit for tat. There are things you got to give up. So let's talk about how, um, I mean, we kind of take it for granted here in Colorado that everybody knows craft beer. I don't think that's necessarily true. So how does a neophyte, somebody who's not familiar with the craft beer scene, what are the ways that they're first getting introduced? I mean, I called out a couple of events here. We talked about that, but there might be other ways that I'm not familiar with. I feel like there's a glut of events that are happening. I just want to know how you get through Great American Beer Fest without it just being a shit show. Well, there's have a plan. that. Actually, they sure. have an amazing app. Uh, mm -hmm. JBF oh, has one of the best you. apps mm -hmm. ever. Yeah, and it's great because you can go through and you can make a plan. You can see the map. You can go, I'm just going to focus on this type of beer or on this region. So um, we go to all four sessions, and so we have a plan, all four sessions, where we go, okay, we're going to focus on this region right here, and that's all we're going to do. Or we're only looking for stouts, or we're only looking for sour beers. Mm -hmm. That's what we did last year. Yeah. We did yeah. stouts and was it Bel Belgian, right? No, well, it was something, it was quads, I think. Oh, it was, okay. Or maybe yeah, triples yeah. or something like that. And yes. it was much easier. It's much yeah. easier. You yeah. tend to keep your mind about you a lot more, because <laughs> if you just walk into that place and you just start drinking, you're done after 15 minutes. Yeah, mm -hmm. seriously. It's so yes. overwhelming. And now granted, about an hour and a half, two hours into it, we pretty much filter back to Colorado or North Carolina. My folks live in North Carolina, so we know a lot of brewers there, and just end up hanging out behind booths with brewers and drinking their beer. But um, having that first couple of hours, having a really solid plan is going to help you get through GABF. Um, I don't think GABF is where people are discovering beer so much. It tends to attract pe no. two types of people, people who already know beer mm -hmm. and people who just want to get wasted. Mm -hmm. You can't get tickets anymore, by exactly. the way. I was going to say this. like oh, It's scalpers. impossible. Yeah. <laughs> scalper. Well, yeah. I guess, but yeah. I don't know how much you're paying if you're... And if you're you an AHA member, the... American Humbers Association member, you get the pre-sale. That's and true. And so that's how a lot of people are getting them now. Mm -hmm. um, also, a lot of people are volunteering still. Um, they've tightened their volunteering policies, but still so it relies on so many volunteers to 
to make that process happen. Incredible volunteers, incredible volunteer leaders who are mm -hmm. themselves volunteers, but are putting, I mean, when it comes towards the festival, they're putting 40, 40 hours a week into this and they're volunteers. Right. So um, it's a it's a great festival, but it's not necessarily where people are discovering beer because it's just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. I think the smaller festivals are definitely more so um, like, Brew Fru is an incredible festival because it brings out people who maybe they're going, they're like, oh, I'm just going to taste the food. But then you get these amazing beer and food pairings and you realize yeah. how well food and beer play together. Um, and in many levels, much better than other beverages and food. Beer plays with food a lot, uh, a lot better. Um, the Avery Sour Fest is great. Again, not necessarily someplace where people are discovering beer because that's a pretty hardcore festival. Right. Um, that's one that even I can't get through the whole thing. It just takes too many Tums. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> that's a lot I of sour, folks. it was folks. just me because I like carry Tums in my purse. But I'm like, yeah, and I'm... Yeah, but I just thought I'm like, why is this sour beer making me so? I'm like, not sure that I could do a festival around one style of beer. That would be a little much for me. It's rough. Really? Mm -hmm. I think yeah, I just even the ones that I like, I think I would just because even after a while, know. like your palate. I mean, like I don't have like a, a in tune palate, but I'm like, oh, like that tasted the same. Like that tasted a little bit better than the previous one, but you know, I, I couldn't really call out why. Yeah, well, especially since I like the heavier Belgian beers, it yeah. wouldn't take long before I was like, oh, yeah. I'm done with I was going to say, like, when you're in Europe, how do you switch it up, like style-wise? Well, in, yeah, in Germany though, there's there's like five styles or so. Like they stick to the Reinheitsgebot, so it's like it's not oh, like they say can say that over and over, Steve. Reinheitsgebot. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't uh, they can't really veer like they can't do like infusions and stuff like that they can import it but they can't make it there in germany as i understand so you go there and you have like really good my box or that's my go to or you know a double box or something that they're known for they've been making for hundreds of years that's what you drink and you drink a half liter of it and then you order another half liter of it and you keep drinking until you you're just done yeah, and they don't really do samples over there either like in belgium no, where true. they have a great a much greater variety of beer you're drinking a full beer and so it's easier it, you don't get palate exhausted quite so quickly it's those beer fests where you're getting one to th three ounces you're just getting palate exhausted because you're just yeah. pounding those back again and again i think where people are really discovering beer are little local um beer fests and there are a thousand of them. Yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> um, yeah. Like Brewers Rendezvous, even though it's really big now, is uh, is a fest where a lot of people go because brewers are there and people want to talk to the people who are making the beer. They don't necessarily want to talk to volunteers. Marketing people and salespeople are great, but they really want to talk to the people who are actually making the beer. Um, probably the, not probably, the best festival I've been to this year, and I've been to almost one every single weekend, is uh, the Rapids and Grass Festival. It was the 4th yeah, of July weekend. Yep. Oh my gosh, what a great festival. It's down in Buena Vista. It was the inaugural year. Oh. It was put on by two parts, Elevation and Jailhouse. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it was, they capped the tickets, so it wasn't overcrowded. There were a ton Smart. of brewers. Each brewery is an invitational, so each brewery is handpicked by Sarah, who owns the Jailhouse. Arguably the best palate in Colorado when it comes to taproom owners. She just knows her beer. She knows what she's talking about. She used to work at Elevation. She worked at Crooked Stave. She's really developed... Wow. Um, herself over the years in a just in a great place. If anyone's ever down in Buena Vista, hit up Jailhouse and then go across the street to Deer Hammer Distilling has my favorite whiskey um, and makes some great cocktails. Um, but yeah, it's a that was a fantastic festival. I, I just thought mm -hmm. they they did a really really good job with that one. And it was Let's one where people know. could kind of be introduced to beer in a really yeah. friendly low pressure way. Mm -hmm. um, 
the other place people get introduced to beer is just by these local neighborhood breweries. You know, they go into a brewery like Barrels and Bottles in Golden, yeah. um, where it's a tap house. They also have wine, they have beer. They get to try these little different things by trying flights at different breweries. You know, um, when Locavore opened down in Littleton, it I grew up down in Littleton, and when they opened over there, it was really cool to see this small business really thrive right away. And how many people were coming in and saying, you know, I'm I'm not really a beer drinker. What do you have for me? And since they have so many taps, they have something for everybody. So they have something from everyone from the Coors Light drinker to the wine drinker to the cocktail drinker to, you know, somebody who's like... I've never had a bad drink there. <laughs> I mean, I'm, they do a really good job. And, um, and they're supposed to be. So my kids' old Montessori school would close down, and they're making a brewery there. It's that's it's a coal, it's by the post office, the coal mine in um, coal mine Ave Brewing that yeah. I mentioned. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, it's in an old Montessori school. They're opening. Okay. Yeah. Get schooled in beer. Mm-hmm. School's out. Schools. <laughs> 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 should be their tag. Oh now. God! How many more yeah, puns can out. we make? Yeah. How many yeah. more puns? That's amazing. And I agree because I think uh, the first time. I mean, I. Uh, I mean, I moved out here in high school and then I went to DC and I came back and I remember like same deal. Where I'm like, I'm not really a big beer drinker, but of course my only exposure to beer was just, you know, Coors Light and like in a dirty red solo cup. So it's just like, well, you know, like maybe I should expand <laughs> it a little bit. Why was it yeah. dirty? <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> like, you paint um, this picture, Morgan. I'm well, just yeah, like, this, where are you? This is my, my previous life before the DO. Um, and now, I mean, I remember like the same deal, you know, I went to a beer festival and, you know, I kind of told people, it's like, I'm only sticking to fruity beers. I only like fruity or maybe Saison or something. And now I love stouts. Like now stouts are my go-to. So you just kind of like slowly start. You're like, okay, that's kind of good. There is a season. Yeah. Well, that's my whole thing about Beer Fest is like you have already bought the ticket. Take the ride. Like Mm -hmm. try stuff that scares you. Try stuff that's outside your comfort zone because you never know when you'll find your next favorite beer. I mean, I hated saisons hated them with a passion. And then at a beer festival two years ago, I had a saison that just blew my mind. And now it's they're constantly in my repertoire of beers I'm always drinking. Um, for me, I got into beer actually in Belgium. My folks lived over there for a bit, and I got off the plane. I was handled a, a waffle and a Leffe Brun. Oh, that's and a good one. Drank my way through Belgium and came back and got a job at Flying Dog Brewery when they were here in Denver as a yeah. tour guide. That yeah. actually happens to also be where I met my boyfriend. Um, he worked oh. in production lines. So I love when people say, "How did Josh get you into beer?" And I'm like. Well, like I worked that. there first. Right. <laughs> a. It was yeah. me. It was me. And haven't you guys, you've hit like 500 festivals now? Or, uh, we have gone to uh, 521 different breweries. Um, and then. Like goals. Yeah. Oh gosh. Mm-hmm. Goals, festivals, yeah. I don't even keep Bucket track list. of festivals. There are so many of them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's so, awesome. so I have a question. We're gonna move like uh, unless you have something more to say about yeah. how people get into beers. I'm just curious about some of the trends that are happening because I have a lot of comments, both pros and cons, about what's going on, and I feel like. One of the things that's happening is that you have styles that um, people overdo, like a smoked stout, for instance. And I remember going to Great American Beer Festival, and I can't even remember what the brewery was, but I was interested in trying. I think we were together on that mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And they, they just oversmoke it. Like they just add more mm-hmm. to sort of set themselves apart. Um, do you think there's a lack of creativity that's sort of stunting some of the growth and innovation in the industry at all? or? Do you not see that? I think that you can't innovate until you have the basics down. That's fair. It's until you understand classic styles, why they're brewed the way they are, how to brew them well, Mm -hmm. and really nail, like if you can nail an amazing Kolsch, 
that's so hard to do because it's so delicate. There's nothing to hide behind. The hops are so light on that. You know, you have not, you don't have a heavy malt backbone there to hide behind. So if you can nail a beer like that, that gives you such a solid basis to go, okay, so I just nailed this amazing Kolsch and I can reproduce it again and again. So how do I want to play with this? Ooh, I bet strawberries and some dill would be phenomenal in this beer. Let's add a little bit of that. But I also know how delicate this beer is, so I'm only going to add a little and mm -hmm. see how it works. So understanding balance in beer, um, something that is definitely lacking. <laughs> like I, you mentioned, yeah. some people will just throw, especially when you're talking like Roush beers, smoked beers. Yeah. You're talking about throwing a ton of this beechwood smoked malt in it, and it's just can be completely overwhelming. Your palate can't take it. It tastes like band-aids and bacon and it's Ooh. not pleasant wow. um, <laughs> but that's selling it yeah <laughs> i tend to uh not like smoked beer so much but i was uh judging a category that smoked beers were included in and we had a smoked beer that they had actually smoked their own malt over applewood and it was transcendently good it, it took best of show. It was such a great beer. And it's because the person understood the balance. Right. There were so many other flavors there to help balance that smokiness. Mm -hmm. And it became this really lovely rounded flavor instead of, mm, I'm, I'm chewing on, on a Band-Aid. Yum. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's really where it comes from is you need to understand you need to understand traditional styles, not even traditional styles, but just how to make a well-balanced beer. Like what is too much hop for the style? What's too much hop overall? Where, what kind of malts are gonna get you the best flavor? A lot of people, um, especially kind of old school brewers, were used to extract brews where you had to add a ton of crystal malt to make it taste decent at all. And now that people are doing more all grain brewing, extracts have gotten a lot better. Um, it's not so much an issue anymore. And so those people are still throwing a ton of crystal in are missing out on some of the nuances of Munich malt, which is a little toastier or all of these, um, these great base malts. There's a malt, uh, from Chateau Maltry, um, that's called Monastique. And it's this very, very light malt that's used in Belgian beers that has this crazy fruity toastiness. That's just so, so nice. And no one uses it. No one's using the small and it, everybody should be using it. <laughs> and it's because huh. everyone's using these basic malts. They don't understand the variety of ingredients. They don't understand mm. balance. And that's where places like, you know, co-brew in downtown Denver, they're a brewery, but they're also a homebrew shop and a brew your own shop. So you can go in and brew with them and they can help you develop oh, wow. those recipes mm, and look cool. at the recipes and say, Hey, you know what? Maybe you should back off on this a little bit, add a little more of this. And I think you're going to come out with something really nice. And it does come down to, brewing your own, tasting a ton of beers, learning how to refine your palate. Locavore was the place that I went and uh, when I was studying for, for my Cicerone, I'd just walk in and say, pour me all the beers of the similar color you have and I'll tell you what beers they are. And I was horrendously bad at it. And then I got better <laughs> and better and better as I practiced more and they'd do mixed beers and I'd be like, this isn't any of your beers. You're playing with me. And, <laughs> but then, you know, they were, they were testing me, but it, it really helped me learn about balance too. Cause I really have to evaluate what I was tasting instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to order this IPA and have a preconceived notion about what that meant. They'd put it in front of me. I'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's some graininess here. Oh, I'm getting a ton of citrus hop, oh, but it backed off a little bit. Maybe this is a pale ale, not an IPA, you know, and, and kind of learning that I think is yeah. where you can really start with that basis of then from there, adding fruit, adding chilies, adding crazy right. botanicals. Um, one of the best botanical breweries in America is in Chicago. It's called Forbidden Root, and it's Randy Mosier's place. Randy Mosier literally wrote the book Tasting Beer. He is 
incredible. He's a super fun dude, knows his stuff like crazy. Um, I was actually listening to a podcast with him on it uh, on my drive over here. And he is the consultant for Forbidden Root. It's his, I mean, he's a part owner, but he also mm-hmm. is their like beer wrangler. And it's his basis of knowledge on beer and then working with the brewers there is what creates such great beers, even though they're using all these crazy ingredients. It's because they, they had the basics down. Right. What do you what do you think about uh, the prevalence of hops in Colorado IPAs? I feel like they cannot they cannot be hopped enough, and I, I, being a Belgian lover, am kind of over it. And like in the summertime, everything is IPA. It's hard to get anything on the Belgian side of the equation at all on a beer menu. And then come winter, that's what I look forward to because you get to richer, maltier beers. But even so, like, I feel like there are a lot of IPAs that are just hot. Like Sharon, who used to be our art director here, she was just in love with really hoppy beers of any kind, but mostly IPAs. Do you think we're overdoing it? Um, I think we're overdoing it in an ecologically uh, irresponsible way. Um, We cannot produce enough hops. And craft brewers and craft beer drinkers are absolutely killing the world with this at this point in time, we're not going to have enough hops. We the with the droughts, with increasing heat, all of that, we can't keep up with this production of hops. We see bad hop years um, every few years now instead of every decade. And that's not good. So mm. in that manner, I think we're overdoing it. I think that highly hop beers definitely have their place. Um, they are highly they're in high demand. IPAs are the are the thing and have been yeah, the thing yeah. for a decade. Um, but we're also seeing with the New England IPA fad right now, we are definitely seeing people back away from using just a ton, a ton of hops at the beginning. And they're using what's called hop bursting. And that instead of adding a ton of hops at the beginning of boil where it gets more bitter, they're adding right. more hops towards the end of boil where it's more aroma and flavor and then a lot of dry hops. And so if people keep kind of that trend going, they can actually get better utilization out of their hops and use less hops. We're also seeing manufacturers becoming very creative. They're using um, cryo hops now, so they're freeze drying hops. You, you're getting more of the pure essence of lupulin, which is what causes bitterness in hops. Um, they're getting more of that, and so you can actually add that to your beers and create a really beautiful flavors and aromas. You're getting, uh, they're extracting just the oils from hops to allow you to use just a very small amount of that instead of a ton of hop material, things like that. So they're getting more creative, but I agree. I think that when you walk into a place and they have 10 different IPAs and they all taste the same, you're like, well, what's what's the point? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Branch out, do other beers. And if you're a brewery, you have to have an IPA. It's just, it's such a huge segment of the population, but you also need to realize that IPAs should have balance as well. It shouldn't always be just a hop bomb. Like there's malt there for a reason. Like otherwise just, you know, drink some hop resin. Don't do that by the way. (laughs) 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 Don't drink it. Yeah. The only IPA that I drink on a fairly regular basis is the Dogfish Head 90 Minute, Mm -hmm. um, which has that malty character to it. So I think that's why I can sort of, handle the hops to it because it's sort of a nice balance to me anyway it's a nice balance of hops and malt yeah and and it's kind of an old school ipa it's a little bit older school anything that's an english ipa um is also going to have a lot of that malt character instead of being just pure hops we're talking really super in your face hops we're talking west coast style american ipas that you know Mm. stone brewing flash brewing any of those west coast that's who originated the style so it's funny when people say well new new england style ipas they'll just go out of fashion and i'm like 
yeah, people said that about West Coast too, and and that's all sticking around. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, I went out to San Francisco a, a couple of months ago. Fantastic IPAs out there, West Coast style, but really bringing that balance back, bringing okay. back the really great. Hey, I can taste the malts here. I really want to have another sip. Um, I don't want to drink a beer that I don't want to drink another sip of. And there are a lot of those really sticky, high alcohol, high hopped IPAs that just leave my lips sticky. And even though my boyfriend almost exclusively drinks double IPAs right now, uh-huh. he doesn't even enjoy those. And so it's like we're always looking for some sort of balance. Mm. Yeah. Well, hopefully that uh, balance migrates east a little bit <laughs> um, and we learn to balance things out here. Just my opinion. Just my opinion. So other trends that are happening in Colorado. Um, th- there's this interesting thing that I've seen a lot more of recently is the beer-wine hybrid. Are you familiar with this at all, using the Great Must and aging in wine barrels? There was one that I tried at Avery that was actually really good, um, and I called it out here the Muscat d'Amour, a barrel-aged um, wild ale in Chardonnay bar- barrels. Um, so the beer-wine hybrids are really interesting because technically speaking, they're not a beer, but technically speaking, they're not a wine. So there are a lot of legalities around it that's very, very complex. Um here in Colorado, you have a different license for a brewery versus a winery. And um, if you have a cidery, so if you're making apple hard apple cider, that's also a winery. So anything fruit-based is winery, anything grain-based is a brewery, and you cannot have a combined license. So when you're talking beer-wine hybrids, yeah. you're almost exclusively seeing them being made out of the state because other states do allow for that. Or they're being blended at a brew pub like Avery where they're allowed to sell wine and they're allowed to sell beer. So they're doing a Mm. blend like that. They aren't doing um, from the ground up fermentation. Now, aging in wine barrels is very, very common and is very cool. And I really like that. Um, Using grape must is one of those kind of blurred lines. And I'm not familiar with all the legalities around it, but I know there are legalities that are preventing some people from doing it. But it's also a very tricky flavor profile. The, the wine versus the beer is a tricky flavor profile. There's a lot of tannins and astringency in wine that are not positive in beer. They can exist in beer, but they're not a good flavor. So it can be a really, a really tight line to walk. Um, what we're seeing a lot of right now, which I'm really loving, is a lot of our craft distilleries are making barrel-aged gin, and they're giving those gin barrels then to breweries to age their beer in. Wow. Hmm. And um, I know that... Up at Golden City, actually, they just got a barrel-aged gin barrel from Spirit Hound. It's actually their first barrel from from this batch, which is really exciting. And I think he's planning on doing a Saison or a Beer de Gar or something to put in there. And the aromatics and the botanicals, and you get the vanillins from the wood. It's just really beautiful. I had a taste of the gin last night, and it, it blew my mind. It was so... I don't know. It was like fairies dancing on your tongue. It was so good. <laughs> and so That's I'm really excited to see what he does with that. And the other thing that we're seeing with the barrel aging is also craft distilleries who are giving a brewery a barrel, so a whiskey barrel, a gin barrel, what have you, and then taking that barrel back and then re-aging an, mm-hmm. one of their spirits in it. Um, so, oh. you know, Bear oh, Creek wow. Distillery is doing that. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. I'm really excited to try uh, Bear Creek Distillery has one of the barrels that GCB did, an Imperial Stout, and I'm excited to try that whiskey when they Mm-hmm. do that again because mm-hmm. it's that's huh. a totally new concept and it also shows how um our community especially here in colorado we're very much a family even across beer to to the yeah. hard alcohol distilleries is we like to work together and we want to make sure we're supporting each other mm-hmm. yeah no it's very true very collaborative whiskey has to, did that i think 
I mean, I'm sure they do it around town, but I think they did it with like uh, Bear Brewing down on Santa Fe. Yep. Santa Fe? They're, uh, on, they're in Broadway. Broadway sorry. They're, they're in Broadway. Yeah. Um, they And Bear and Laws have a very, very close relationship. And just Bear is <laughs> one of my favorite breweries. Great sours, great farmhouse ales, great IPAs, pale ales. Just, again, they, they mastered the basics. Mm -hmm. And they create fantastic beer as a result. And their barrel aging program is great. They have a, a beer called Four Grains in the Membrane that... Um, awesome. They, <laughs> and it's like an American barley wine, strong ale, kind of sour barrel age. It's super funky and weird and all over the place. What am I? Really fun. Really interesting. It's, it's different every taste. Um, it's one of those beers that I'd love to sit down and really pair with food and figure out what it works with because it's just so much fun. Mm -hmm. And you kind of miss it a little bit. Like you wouldn't necessarily know that it's a brewery like on first glance. It's like right next to a few restaurants. There's like a yoga studio across the street and a gas station. And then they're just kind of like not like nestled in there. But I used to work over there. So I was like, let's just check in and see what. And I mean, it was great. So Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say sort of it feels like things are coming a little full circle or maybe becoming more European in the sense that I feel more neighborhood breweries happening. And there are a couple of um, I live in North Boulder. And so there are a couple of places, Twisted Pine being one of them that I like go to that it has almost like that neighborhood feel to it. And they had distribution happening and they recently decided to pull back on that and focus on the tap room, which I thought was interesting. And then I, I don't know if it's going to happen with them too, but Finkling Garf, which is up in Gun Barrel, um, that's just down the street for me. And that's very neighborhood oriented. I think they, I mean, I know they do distribute a little bit locally, but it wouldn't surprise me if they, you know, pulled back and focused just on the tap room in the neighborhood so they can put more of that money and energy into the community. So I don't know if you want to speak to that, but that's something that I'm seeing certainly. Um, I think it's a, a trend we're going to see more and more of. Shelf space is is really hard to get in liquor stores. And if you've ever wondered why PBR and Coors and Budweiser come in 12 packs, 20 packs, 30 packs, 47 packs, all these different <laughs> pack sizes, it's actually to take up more shelf space and mm. to keep their competitors from having that shelf space. That's pure, the pure bastards. reason behind that. <laughs> Those <And>, bastards. <laughs> yeah. Sons of bitches. So, um, so shelf space is a, is a huge issue, and that's why so many breweries are also doing cans, because they take up less shelf space. Liquor stores mm. can have more of them. Oh. But I think you're going to see a lot of people pulling back in distribution. You make way more money in your tap room. It makes more sense just financially and also from the marketing standpoint and your sales standpoint to do just a couple of, of small releases in bombers or if you want to do cans or crawlers and release them to a few select liquor stores in areas that you want to attract more people from or or you know places where you know a lot of your customers are and you want to make sure that they're getting kind of your special stuff. That's where I think things are going to veer towards. I think less people are going to be in the large scale production yeah, and yeah. they're going to keep it much more focused. Um, let's be honest, most people are not going to be distributed as wide as Odell or New Belgium or any of that. Right. These breweries aren't mm -hmm. going to get to that size. Um, on the flip side of that, you see breweries like Paradox down in Divide who are doing um, a lot of barrel-aged programs, and so a lot of their stuff just goes into bottles to begin with, even for service out of their tap room. So it makes sense for them to do more distribution because they're already that's already a part of their business model of having those bottles available. And so it's worked really well for them as they're distributed very, very widely across the U.S. now. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting how that's developing. I like the feel of like a neighborhood pub, as it were, a neighborhood brewery mm. uh, that serves just that community. You feel like you have something unique that you and just like so your like family cheers. and friends can experience. Yeah, a little bit like Everybody cheers. Yeah, like, Le Legitimately. We love yeah. being regulars. We're actually regulars at a brewery in Topeka, Kansas. Um, we drive out, <laughs> <laughs> we drive out That's to North, a North Carolina every year and um, to visit my parents. And we always stop at this brewery. It's called Blind Tiger Brewing for lunch. 
Always. No fail. This year, we took a different route, and we went up through Chicago, and then we went down through Virginia because we have a friend who opened a brewery in Virginia called Vanish. Great, great brewery if anyone ever goes out there. It's in, it's on a farm. They grow hops. They process hops. It's really cool. Um, but we went down to North Carolina, and then on the way back, we stopped at Blind Tiger, and we walked in, and the bartender looks up at us and goes, oh, my gosh, I got to tell the guys you guys are okay. We were really worried about you. Oh. <laughs> we're like... Yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> Seems about right. But yeah, yeah we, oh, we love sweet. being regulars. You know, we have in Ireland, it's called the gaff or the local. You always have your local. And we have like mm, 20 of them. I don't know. There are some. <laughs> Roughly. Yeah. yeah. I would love to have 20 of them that I could walk to. That might be dangerous, though. Oh, I wish I could walk to all of them. They're just people. They're breweries that we frequent a lot. Right, right. We always make sure that we're visiting all of our friends, you know, and, and checking them out. We could... We could knock more breweries off our list of how many we've been to if we didn't go to the same ones over and over again. You mm -hmm. like what you like. It's mm -hmm. good to be, it's good to be where everyone knows your name, as you said. It's sort <laughs> of the cheers phenomenon for sure. So there are a couple of other trends, and you know this is not an exhaustive list, of course, but um, we've been uh, highlighting a lot of events that pair beer with some kind of activity: cycling, running, yoga, sheep yoga. What is the goat yoga? It's goat Knitting. yoga. That's what it is. Funny yoga. Rabbit yoga. Goat something yoga. like that. Oh, there is. There's beer yoga where you try to balance the beer. What? It just seems like yeah. terrible idea. Well, there's what one is that where a thing like though? You do yoga and you have beer after, and there's mm -hmm. another yeah. one where you literally do it holding a beer, yeah, like you're which like, I'm sure is more like the novelty to like bring more people in. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because. Then after a while, you just sit down on your mat and just start drinking. <laughs> like, <laughs> you have six like, hours a day. <laughs> You're in child's pose for the rest of yeah, the night. It's like, <laughs> like, she didn't do anything. She just finished like three beers over there. I'm like, yeah. Just bring your mat, sit on the floor, center, drink. Uh, stretch your drinking arm. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I don't know if that's true of other states. I mean, I'm sure that it is. It just feels like it's definitely a thing that's developing here that if there's any kind of activity, because Colorado is such an outdoor activity kind of state, like if there's any kind of outdoor activity they can pair with beer, they'll do it. I think it's more common here. I've seen it in other states, but it's almost more of a novelty in other states, whereas here it's expected. Yeah, like, it's you true. know, there's brewery boot camp and you're going to find where has it or, or yoga or the run clubs or any of that, like uh, shoes and brews up in Longmont. They actually have, um, if you run a certain distance in a certain amount of time, you get on a scoreboard and you get a certain percentage off your beer. And like, I mean, oh. it's, uh, I know uh, Factotum has a run club. Mm -hmm. yeah. New Train yeah, has a run club. New Train does yoga and run club and they have concerts and every, there's something going on every night there. Trivia is a huge thing. Oh, trivia, yes, that's true. that's true. Um, some of them bring in Geeks Who Drink. Some of them have their in-house uh, trivia. But yeah, I think, I think a lot of people, because this has become for a lot of people like their living rooms, they want to have a lot of stuff going on mm. and it's not necessarily sitting there and watching TV. Maybe it's, you know, for a special event or a football game or something, but most people want to have something interactive to yeah. have fun with. And I kind of appreciate that too. The, the a lot of the breweries that I co go to don't have TVs because it is like, you're just supposed to like oh, sit amen. and like interact and just like enjoy each other's company. Um, but back to the working out, did you do the, um, I don't know if they already did it this year or if it's coming up where Upslope had that like pop-up bar in the mountains, like where you had to like hike up there. Oh my gosh. That was so cool when was they did it? that. I didn't get to go, okay. but it was such a fantastic idea. Yeah. I got so excited about it. I was just like, man, I wish I would have known about this. Right. I love when breweries get creative like that when they're like, Hey, you know, it'd be fun. <laughs> Let's open our brewery in the middle of a national forest for a day. Yep. That and sounds like a good idea. Come. Like, I mean, sure enough, like the lines like was just insane. But at the same time, then it's like, okay, I'm just gonna go like sit in the field and drink my beer and meet some strangers that we just hiked up here with. So it's a great idea. Yeah. Know? 
I'm waiting until uh, they, you know, allow you to drink beer while coming down on a ski run. I feel like that's <laughs> oh god. Uh, I don't know what you carry in your pocket when you ski, but <laughs> it's what flasks are for, my friend. <laughs> flasks of beer. All right. Well, maybe not beer, but you know, another <clears throat> yeah, yeah, warming spirit beverage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. We got plenty of good local distilleries too. Oh my gosh, yeah. And then. Beer dinners, which is not really a new thing. It's not really that innovative, but I mean, every brewery has them. Even if they don't have food in-house, they love to bring in chefs and do something periodically. So, you know, and it's gourmet. It's sort of this education on how beer can be paired with food. I don't know if there are any unique takes on it these days, but every time I walk into a brewery that I'm trying to explore just for the beer, you know, there are posters about, hey, we're doing our monthly beer dinner here. So that's definitely something I've seen a lot of. I think we are really far behind the curve in Denver and in Colorado on the beer and food thing. Um, in 2010, I went out to San Diego for, San for their inaugural San Diego Beer Week. And it was incredible, not only how much that town embraces their beer culture on a level that Denver just simply doesn't, but also the number of places where they had really considerate beer and food pairings, not just at beer dinners, but in general on their menus, where they would have a dish listed and they would list suggested wine pairings, suggested beer pairings. Like mm -hmm. it was very oh, well thought out, very well considered. We just don't have that here. All and right. I don't know how to start that. I don't know how to get that to be more prevalent. I don't know if it's getting more Cicerones into restaurants and curating beer lists and being more thoughtful about what beers are on tap instead of just, oh, well, we have, you know, fat tiring course. Um, awesome. <laughs> but it can be a, when you have a wine cellar with 150 different wines, I think you probably have the room for some beer. Um, mm -hmm. Right. So yeah. I, I think that beer and food, like I said earlier, just the flavors in beer and the flavors in food, because of so many processes that are similar when you're talking about, you know, when you sear a steak, you're creating those, uh, mel uh, sorry, melatonins, melanoidins. Oh my gosh. Uh, melanoidins. <laughs> the same thing happens when you're creating crystal malts and when you're creating Munich mm, malts, you yeah. get those similar flavors. You also have a lot of those contrasts, you know, um, something that a lot of people don't know is that stout, especially dry stouts, pairs really, really nicely with oysters. And it's that saltiness what? with the dark I'm malt. I'm going to try that next. Mm -hmm. so what good. is the Rocky Mountain Oyster, Oyster stuff? Well, that, I know. No, thank you. Totally different thing. Different. Yeah. I know, I know. Yeah, I just had to say it. I had to say it. Yeah. Yeah, Oyster yeah, Week. Mind out of the gutter. Yeah, Oyster <laughs> Week is next week. Or National That's Oyster right. Day is um, Saturday. Yeah. Get your stouts ready. You should yeah. definitely, you should definitely t talk to Bess, who was formerly the brewer over there at Wine Coop. She's opening the Grateful Gnome. She And talk mm. to her about brewing the Rocky Mountain Oyster Stout. She has some very interesting and colorful ways to describe it. No doubt. Wow. no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> that was, she by the way, a marketing stunt that went totally, totally above board. Like it was, it was totally a marketing stunt. It was mm -hmm. a one-time video. It was a total joke. And then people nationwide were saying, when can I get this beer? And so they had to mm -hmm. start brewing mm -hmm. it. Oh yeah. Oh. And I talked yeah, to the brewer about it. He's like, oh, people still come in and like ask for it. And he's like, oh, well, I guess we'll do it. <laughs> I guess this is a thing. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like in terms of um, pairings, I know I went to uh, Briarwood's Common Brewery right around the corner mm -hmm. over here. And that was kind of their, when they initially opened, they're like, you know, we make such, you know, they have a lot of pride in their beer. They're like, okay, well, you know, can't we have the same pride in our food? You know, do we just have to serve like nuts and whatever? Like, can we actually do the same thing? Um, and I'm, and they kind of even said the same thing. It's a little bit newer for people that maybe don't know because they'll come in and, you know, like, we have to have a burger on the menu because people that first come in, they're like, I just want the burger. That's it. That's all I want to get. But if you ask them, you know, and say, oh, I'm getting, you know, 
the muscles or whatever. It's like, well, what goes well with that? Like they have like a few like suggestions here and there. Like you can make your own pairings there. All you have, to, I mean, I don't know if it's on the menu necessarily, but I mean, all you have to do is ask. Mm -hmm. So, but that was definitely kind of like a learning curve for some people where it's like, okay, you can, you can come here and make your own beer pairings. Like, you know, you don't mm -hmm. have to like go get food somewhere else, I guess, or just settle for like just burgers and pizza while you're drinking. Right, beer. right. Yeah, right. I'd love to see more breweries like you were talking about doing beer and food pairings in their breweries, having those special events and teaching people how beer and food work together. Um, one of the coolest things I did was at GABF last year, they did a cheese pairing. And what they did was you had four cheeses and then you had four beers and they had you taste each cheese with each beer and then come up with what you liked the best. And mm -hmm. so they had some experts up on the panel who were kind of talking about what they would pair them with, but they, and they talked about why, but it was really nice to be able to actually taste them and figure out what you liked the best and how diverse beer and cheese working together can be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I love one of my favorite things about uh, the GABF is uh, the media luncheon that leads into the actual festival because, you know, they pick a chef, local chef, and then they prepare this, gosh, it's like a four course, five course lunch. And then they pair it with local beers from all over the country, craft beers. And sometimes it's multiple beers per course. So you have a table that's like seven glasses of beer that you're drinking at the same time in mm -hmm. this food. So that's, that's always an experience that I love because you don't, you don't often have that opportunity. You know, it's not a regular thing. So yeah, love to go more in that direction. If you have any thoughts on how to make it happen, you know, maybe hey, we'll do listeners. a listeners. Hey, listeners, <laughs> drink more beer and pair it with food mm -hmm. and urge your, uh, Hey, breweries, hire me to do beer and food pairings. Also this. Also, also this. this. Also that thing. Oh, God. So let's talk about um, beers that we're really liking right now. And I think based on what we talked about before, I think we can maybe start with traditional styles mm -hmm. and who's doing that really well and then move into some sort of off-the-cuff, more peripheral stuff. So who's doing the traditional ones really well? What are you liking right now? Bierstadt Lagerhouse. I mean... Ashley and Bill, they just, they know lagers. They know German lagers. They're doing them incredibly well. And it's funny, I, I one of the services I offer for consulting is helping breweries pick out what beers they're going to submit for GABF, as well as what style, styles they should be in. And several breweries I talk to, they're like, oh, well, I really have this Pilsner I really love. I'm like, uh, are Bill and Ashley entering theirs? Cause yeah, <laughs> you're going to get knocked out of the water. Yeah. Out of the water. It's, you know, so considering that, um, I'm so excited for their mares to come out this fall. Cause I love Oktoberfest style beers. I love mares. Yes, yes. Fest beers. Here, here. Fantastic. So really excited for that. Um, Bruz, B R U Z mm -hmm. in North Denver does great traditional Belgian style beers. Yes. Um, mm -hmm. their Hellraiser, which is their, uh, Belgian golden strong ale. So, so good. Um, Dead Hippie down in Sheridan is actually making an incredible Belgian Golden Strong Ale right now as well. Also very traditional. Talk about a place to open a brewery. <laughs> it's like... in the old little paint shop, the circular paint shop there in Santa Fe and, and Hamden. And it's just kind of in a quirky location, but just, you know, Dean makes great beers. Um, one of the Reason signs of go. a good brewer is someone who's willing to take feedback. And I remember going mm -hmm. to his place first time and... Um, he asked for feedback and I said, okay, do you want just like, Hey, your beers are great. Or I'm a Cicerone and a beer judge. Do you want that? And he's like that one second choice. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that it was great. You know? Um, so I think those are some of the places, I mean, when you're talking traditional styles, when you get into American beers, you know, you go down the route of like 
cream ales, a great cream ale out there is the one over at New Train. They're doing a great cream ale right now. Woods Boss has a cream ale I tasted off Fermenter yesterday that I'm really excited about. When is that opening, by the way? Uh, that's going to be, grand opening is August 12th. Oh, oh that's very soon. Okay. okay. yay. Although, I'm going to say, if you happen to be wandering by, it never hurts to poke your head into a brewery and say, hey, y'all open? Because mm-hmm. you never know when they'll say, no, but we're selling beer. Right. So <laughs> I know they've had their CO for a while, so they can legally sell beer and everything. So Okay, that's know. good to know. Just a mm-hmm. wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Who knows? Um, I know that any new brewery is not, uh, never going to turn away. Yeah, please come in and, and buy my beer. I need money coming in because everything is going out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when I talk, Farmhouse Ales, Bear, mm-hmm. again, does great farmhouse ales their saison is such a solid saison i mean i won a medal at jbf last year um locavore has some very very good traditional beers especially actually come around uh oktoberfest time they tend to do an oktoberfest party their kolsch is really solid again they have a really good marison um gosh there are so many breweries doing such great things it's true no i don't i don't disagree i i personally like um the food sometimes is hit or miss especially recently i think but brew in boulder mm-hmm. Um, they have a solid lineup. You know, their Lockwee won, I think, a second a silver medal at GABF, I think, a couple years back. That's really good, and I really like their uh, their heavy scotch. But, you know, they have a good pale. They have um, they do a lot of Belgian styles or Belgian-influenced anyway, and I just really like the purity of their beers. You know, they're not, they don't go too crazy. They know what they're doing. I just, good flavor there. So mm-hmm. I'm always pushing brew. Their beers are very good. Yeah. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah. But yeah, you're right. There are a lot of them out there. Yeah, I was gonna say I think a favorite of mine, and part of it is a little bit proximity because there there are so many breweries where sometimes you you get a little bit overwhelmed. And I try to like at least go to some new places, but I feel like probably my favorite neighborhood joint is Ratio. I mean, it's closest oh, to me. It's so good. The Hold Steady with Novo Coffee is just that's what I get like every time. Even is that like hot, a coffee stout? Hmm? Coffee stout? What is that? Uh, it is. Uh, it's, no, it's not a Scotch ale. I think it's a stout. Yeah. Stout or porter, maybe. Something. I guess I should know that. If it's my favorite. <laughs> but it is. I mean, it's just, it's like, I just always get that. And I mean, I, I enjoy their saison as well, but that's probably one of my favorites uh, in the area. But I feel like I wrote down another one. And I forgot what it was. I mean, I like Copper Kettle's Mexican Chocolate Stout, but same deal. I'm like, oh, you know, why not? I'll just try it. And I'm like, I just have never tried anything like that before. Mm. So same deal. But. Left Hand's uh, Milk Stout, by oh, the way. Yeah. Is, classic. It's a classic and quite literally so. It's even in the style guidelines, BJCP style guidelines as exemplary for the style. Um, it well, was one that I was lucky enough to to have in an exam I took once, and I was like, I know what beer this is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, exactly what style. I'm drinking. I know what beer this <laughs> is. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, there are some places that really do some styles just so so well, and they've done it for a long, long time, mm-hmm. and you can almost count on them to produce it. It's very consistent. And are there any places, um, I guess, besides like the big like Denver, Boulder, and Fort Collins, like any? cities or towns or whatever that are really like popping up with like a great brew scene that we should know about or like one that you kind of like are making moves down there to like kind of check it out um well colorado springs i know Mm -hmm. it's 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 actually creating more and more solid solid breweries manitou brewing up in manitou is awesome you have uh cerberus that has some great ipas i'm really interested to see kind of what's coming out of local relic once they really get up and running you have storybook you have red leg you have really a great brew scene down there but even if you go a little bit further south to pueblo believe it or not they are really coming up as a beer scene um there's some love that's needed down there but i think if they start 
you know, really focusing, I think that they can create some pretty great beers. Summit County is a great place to go for, for beer. Mm -hmm. You know, you've got Broken Compass that Mm -hmm. is one of the best breweries in the state. Um, you know, first two years out of the gate and they're already winning GABF medals. That's pretty much unheard of. And they're winning GABF medals in pretty highly contested areas like their, uh, their coconut Porter winning a GABF medal is huge. Um, and if you haven't had a chance to try that beer, I definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, so I think Summit County area, I'd like to see Grand Junction come up a little bit more. Mm. I don't know what's stalled the beer scene out there. Mm-hmm. They have, they have several breweries, but there aren't any new ones coming up. And I don't know why that is. Um, if you go outside of Grand Junction and Fruta, there is a brewery out there called Copper Club. That's so good. Definitely worth the drive. Um, down south in Pagosa Springs, there is an amazing brewery called Riff Raff um, that I literally take trips to Pagosa Springs to go to Riff Raff because they're that good. Um, they are, again, they're doing some funky styles. They're doing some traditional styles, mm. but they really know what they're doing. Um, the owners, Randy and Eleanor, they helped found the Durango, um, the Durango Homebrew Club. So, of course, they've been homebrewing for years and years and years. They opened a professional brewery, and it's just awesome. Um, Durango's a great beer town. I, I mean, feel like you could write a book just about these like wacky names that these people, like everybody has. Yeah. Like, right. It all sounds like There's it comes of out of like Harry Potter stories. or something. Yeah, a little you know? bit. A yeah. little bit. <laughs> that was actually one thing, even when I was uh, for GABF last year. Because initially I was like, okay, like, you know, what do I want? And I had never done GABF. And sure enough, when you look at the lineup just on paper, it's just insane. I'm like, how am I going to pick it? So, I mean, obviously we went with styles, but same deal. Initially yeah. I was like, maybe I should just go off of like interesting names because it's just, and I, I don't know mm-hmm. if it's like to like call out. So it's like, oh, like you're going to remember that because like, how could you not remember that name? Or if it's like, if there's actually a story behind it, it's probably the first. Yeah. I'd imagine. I don't know. Marketing. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's, you know, it is. Some people are making up, I mean, like Brewery Ricoli. It's the owner's name is Rick. And everyone said he was like Jeff Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And so that's why it's Ricoli's. Yeah. Yeah. It's as easy as that. And his beer names are hilarious too. Um, You know, Enormous Richard, Bigger, Longer, and Uncut. Good Lord. it's a amazing. family show. Come on, Deb. I mean, well, no, I mean, but it's a, it's no, a it's double, not. It's a double cream ale. <laughs> it's a double cream ale. So that's the kind of the joke behind it. Cause uh, his yes. name is Richard. It's enormous Richard. Cause he has a cream ale. And so the, the way he makes his cream ale meh is actually he brews it and then he cuts it with water. And so enormous oh. Richard is it's bigger cause it's higher alcohol content. It's longer cause it takes longer to firm it and it's uncut because he's literally not cutting it with water. Oh. And other things. See, the there's t- a story behind and it. The Again, TTB actually approved that label. Yeah, they're like, well, yeah. Purely <laughs> incidental, coincidental. Oh my gosh. So I'm wondering, you know, you're looking at just the stats, you know, and we're not first in any of the categories that we mentioned. We're first in awesomeness. Well, awesomeness. well, this is what I was going to ask. So why is Colorado awesome compared to, say, California and some of the others that rank above us? Like, what makes us really stand out in the craft beer scene? Uh. Well, just purely from a from a beer perspective, the quality of our water, the fact that we don't yeah. have to do a lot to our water to make it great is huge. Mm-hmm. And that's why you see breweries popping up in places like Colorado, like Asheville, North Carolina, where the water's really, really good. Even up in Maine, California, near the Sierras, any place that the water is really pure, you'll see a lot of breweries. Um, we can grow both barley and hops here, which is huge. So you can have truly mm-hmm. local beer. Um, hops are a little bit trickier, but you can grow them here. One of the benefits, to be quite honest, is we have cores here. And 
which means that there are a lot of barley farmers growing barley for cores, mm. sending them to malt trees um, to get malted. And then there's all of this excess that cores doesn't need that then the breweries here can buy. And so that's a big advantage oh, to being here in Colorado. Yeah. Some of the other ways that were awesome just outside of making beer itself is that we have a culture of having fun, enjoying the outdoors, enjoying life in general. And craft beer is a big part of that creativity, you know, kind of being a pioneer. When you look at how Colorado is founded, when you look at how Colorado has been run, we've always kind of been rebels. We've always kind of been pioneers. And so having this huge craft beer mecca here is because of that. It's because of the willingness to be like, you know what? We don't like what's out there, so we're going to do it ourselves since none of y'all are doing what we want. And so that's, you know, a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I could feel that. I feel it. <laughs> um, but it's interesting, though, because you, you kind of wonder, given that mentality, um, how readily we're going to be influenced by, say, the balance of IPAs, for example, or some of the other trends that happen in other states. Is it really going to make its way here, or are we going to be like, mm, no, we're going to do our own thing? <laughs> I think so we do a that. little bit of both. Like, yeah. I mean, of course, New England-style IPAs are absolutely everywhere right now. New England-style IPAs are, you know, hazy and uh, juicy. Um, <laughs> the, the descriptors are amazing. Um, they are very, very narrow. It's, it's great because people are making fun of the descriptors now. And so there's like, uh, oh, sure. someone's making a buzzword IPA and the description is all just terrible buzzwords about beer. It's great. Um, <laughs> you gotta laugh at yourself. Exactly. There, there's the whole sense of humor side of the side of it too, but we're also blazing our own trail. Like we're making, um, you know, there's a brewery called big choice that does a Colorado common and it's a red, uh, it's basically a red IPA, but it's got some of the characteristics of a California common where it's a little bit toastier. It's not so sweet and caramely, it's, but it's got a lot more hops to it. And so it's a really interesting, unique beer. And people are, again, they want to brew with local ingredients. They want right, to right. work with local maltries, local growers, and really keep it very, very local, um, which I like here. But yeah, I think people are willing to not only do those traditional styles, but also to branch out and, and have some fun here. Um, I think that's why Paradox is is here is they are doing really funky, wild, crazy barrel aged beers. Um, and they can do it here and people will drink it. And so that's the other thing is to open great breweries, you have to have people who want to drink great beer. And so many of us now have been raised on great beer. I mean, I, my parents were driving from Littleton to Fort Collins every weekend when I was growing up to get a growler of 90 shilling from Odell. Like this was something I grew up with. Craft beer has always been a part of my life. And I think that's true of a lot of people from Colorado and then people outside Colorado go, I want that. And then they come here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Set the example. So, so let's finish up. So we don't have much time left, unfortunately, but I wanted to finish up with a couple places you would call out as great places to go to buy local craft beer in Colorado, specifically in the greater Denver area where you can find good local craft beer, not just because they have a good selection, but because the people there are knowledgeable enough to actually speak to what's available and can sort of give people advice, especially if they're a neophyte on what to start with. So are there places that, that are your go-to go-tos that you would recommend? Um, <laughs> so I live in Evergreen. Um, so okay. Bergen Park Liquors up there, just so everyone knows, great beer selection, very knowledgeable staff, help happy to direct you to where you need to go. Um, down, down in kind of the front range area, I really like Molly's Liquor a lot. I like yeah. Hazel's. Um, small Batch Liquor is fantastic. They're more than happy to spend time with you and really walk you through what they have. Uh, Mondovino is great. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, you Apple uh, actually uh, Applejack has really stepped up their game recently. Really appreciated that. Um, Have you been down to Tipsy's? That place is crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I like I yeah. like their I like their beer cave a lot. Um, there's one I'm reluctant to mention because it's I love it so much. Um, it's great. Nobody else can go there. <laughs> no one else can go. It's Grapevine over off of Leedsdale. And it's, it is, looks like one of those trashy liquor stores next to a King Supers that you would never go in. And you should stop by every day and just hunt through their beer cave because they put out these little nuggets of wonderfulness just totally randomly. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Love that place. Nuggets of wonderfulness. Uh, yeah, my personal experience, I love Hazel's. I love, mm-hmm. There's actually some German beers that I was craving and couldn't find anywhere else. I found them at Hazel's. Awesome. So, yeah, I was very happy about that. Not that there's anything wrong with Colorado beer. There's a lot of good Colorado beer, but sometimes you just crave the German stuff. I can't stuff. believe you didn't mention the Liquor Mart that's on Coal Mine and Pierce. Oh, <laughs> good old Liquor Mart. <laughs> good old that's Liquor Mart. Good old favorite. <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's just the it's the Hollywood carriage collection full of weird Oh. mannequins and <laughs> yeah it's, i'm sorry etc it's yeah. just it, really? anyone who's ever oh, down yeah. the littleton area definitely check it out because it is it is a place sounds like a littleton landmark it, it kind per, of is kind of is like <laughs> if it ever goes away i will be devastated if they oh, ever replace Lord. it with like a boutique wine shop like i'll lose i'll legitimately but then like it. the garage they'll protect it for like historic choice. designers <laughs> <You're> like, <laughs> where can i get like eight different kinds of scarecrows like an elvis like <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah like all of it I need 19 dead ravens oh yeah. you have 19 you're like oh, we have 22 you're like oh <laughs> <laughs> it's delightful wow. yeah takes all kinds Takes all kinds. Okay, well, before we wrap it up, the, anything is there anything you want to plug? Events that you're going to get involved with? You mentioned a couple of breweries, stuff that you're involved with. Anything you want to shout out? Um, basically, uh, just visit local breweries. Any local brewery, visit them, drink their beer. If you love them, tell them you love them. And if you don't like them, tell them why you don't like them so they can get better. And just drink a lot of beer. Um, visit, like I said, visit my friends at Broken Compass and at New Train and Resolute and Woods Boss and bear and spangling and local bar and all in barrels and bottles and <laughs> golden city brewery and all these fantastic local breweries brewer coley um just go out and drink and check me out on facebook and instagram miss lupulin l-u-p-u-l-i-n um, i also make uh beer related jewelry i make they're called hop beerings they're made of craft beer cans you'll see some photos of those on they're there so cute. <laughs> and, <That's awesome. laughs> yeah check that out as well so um you can follow uh, my boyfriend and i's crazy adventures on instagram uh we post selfie of every brewery visit because um yeah i don't know that happened and it continued well, you know it's a tradition <laughs> yeah. it's Wait, a what's tradition. the instagram name behind that one it's miss loop it is as well yep. okay yep same with my twitter Across um, the boards. okay so yeah, so check me out, check my friends out, drink their beer. Oh, and uh, local tap houses, just if you're ever out and about, check out Hops and Pie in the Highland area. Oh, in my opinion, one. it's the best tap house in, in Denver. Um, visit our friends over there. It's so great. Their Italian sandwich is so choice. So. But that's not a pie. It isn't a pie. I love how many people walk in and they're like, uh, do you have cherry pie today? And oh, it's like, boy. that's not, oh, that's boy. not, that's not kind of pie. <laughs> that's not a pie. Also look for that independent label, right? Which we'll be seeing a lot more of. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and know your breweries, know who's independent, ask who's making your beer, ask get a tour of the brewery. Um, you know, you should, yep. you, you should know who's making your beer. You should, you know, be able to talk to them, hang out and have a good laugh. Cause most brewers in the state, it's the nice thing about this industry is 99% of the people are just awesome. They're more than happy to hang out and talk about beer and have a good time. So true. Mm-hmm. So true. 
Deb, thanks for coming today. Appreciate yeah, it. A lot of me. wisdom that was imparted today. A lot yeah. to take home and a lot of new beers to try, that's for I'm sure, so and excited. to try with food. Yeah, for sure. So, folks, this is the end of episode 18, but we'll be back next week with episode 19. Not sure what we're going to be doing, but stay tuned to all our social channels, Do Denver Boulder on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for updates on that. Also, diningout.com forward slash Denver Boulder. And those will lead you to SoundCloud, where we have all of our past episodes, full archive, and you can listen in hours of listening entertainment. A lot of good jokes on there. We have a good time. Um, also, spread the word about us. If you like what you hear, give us a good review in all the places. You know, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio. Let your friends know. Your family know. Get listening. Um, but that's it for us this week. Until next week, eat and drink like there's no tomorrow, Colorado. Cheers, you guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.